0: Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Uh, When I was a younger guy, um, like 25 or something, I remember being um, in Jackson, Mississippi, and I heard one of the most moving testimonies um, of my life. And I, I don't remember the name of the man who shared it, but uh, he was an elder at this church. And I, I believe the church was Voice of Calvary, but I could be wrong, my memory could be failing me. Anyways, I was down in Jackson, I was, I was with a friend, and I met with this elder and he shared a story. and. He had lived in uh, Chicago, and he was going to church there. He was a deacon there at that church in Chicago, and it was, it was a prominent church there. I don't know which one he didn't I, maybe he said, but my memory doesn't but uh, one of the things that he would do was on Saturdays they would do visitation right they would they would go and they would they would visit people and uh, and um So they would go to the projects, you know, and they'd go door to door, and they'd visit people, and they'd invite them to church. And he said he remembered the exact moment when he gave up on church and God. Uh, So him and a fellow deacon, uh, they were in an apartment, and they were sharing the gospel with a young woman, and a baby caught his eye. Um, And he recently had 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 a kid, so, you know, he was just kind of hyper-aware of this baby. Um, But he noticed the difference between his baby and this baby. Uh, The baby in this apartment was dirty and naked and had a full diaper. And the baby was playing with a plastic fork and a used napkin. And there was no evidence of any other toys, just a plastic fork and a used napkin. And he thought to himself, how can I come into this house in my nice suit? Because that's what they did. They dressed up uh, whenever they did the visits. In my nice suit and tell this young mother that Jesus loved her and cared for her. That Jesus loved her and cared for her baby. And they don't even have toys or diapers or clothes. You know. Who knows what's in the fridge? And so how can I go and say that God cares for her and ask her to come to my church when she don't have clothes? And how can I tell her she's precious to God when she lives here and her baby only has a plastic fork and a used napkin to play with? How can I say that I care for her when I'm going to leave this apartment, get into my nice car, and go home with, to a house with more toys than my kids know how to play with? with a full fridge, and a closet full of suits and nice clothes. How can I say that God loves her and her family? And this, this elder, he told me, uh, when he left the apartment, he left his faith behind. And it took him decades to regain it. Um, it wasn't until years later he found a church community that actually seemed like it cared for people like that young mother and baby, that even started considering to go back to church. And then there was hesitantly. But bit by bit, the love that the church showed each other and the community won them back. Um, he said that when he visited people now, when he said Jesus loved you, he felt like he could mean it. He felt like he could really mean it, that his church meant it. Uh, From the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus has always drawn people from the margins to him, Uh, people that were desperate to be loved. In Matthew chapter uh, 4, Jesus was starting his ministry. Uh, He had just been baptized and he was calling his disciples. And this is uh, verses 23 through 25. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering with severe pains, the demon possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, and Judea, and the regions across Jordan followed him. Look at the people who Jesus gathered the sick, the hurt, the spiritually wounded and attacked, those not in control of their own bodies. Uh, Those are the type of people that Jesus sought out. Those are the types of people that sought out Jesus. And I don't know if the large crowds that began to follow him were all just made up of people that were healed or people that wanted to be healed. But they all were there because they needed something that only Jesus seemed to offer. Uh, People were gathered from all over the country following this man, Jesus, because of the hope that he would do something better, that he would do something in their lives, that they wouldn't be sick, that they wouldn't be hurt, that they wouldn't be broken, that they wouldn't be spiritually attacked and feel unloved. And that's how Jesus ministered. That that was the ministry of Jesus. And somehow, the modern church um, has become far removed from that image. Um. Now often, church is considered judgmental, political, um, abusive, out of touch. Um, Some people, they don't want to go to church because it seems like churches are a place where people go and feel shamed. Um, Where you have to feel like you're all put together. And you have to put on your nice face. And if you have a real problem, you have to keep it to yourself. You don't tell anybody. And if you're hurt, you don't share it. Especially if it's ugly. It's unsavory, if it makes you look bad. um, You might be able to share about how somebody did you wrong, and you're just praying for strength to get over it. But uh, it's not a safe place to admit you were wrong, or you are wrong. And it's not a safe place to feel poor. uh, Because, let's face it, often in America, feeling poor feels shameful. Um or you know church may not be a safe place if you had a hard time keeping your family together that can feel shameful. Or if you're you're struggling with something and an illness and you and you can't get better, or if you lost your job, you lost some status. Man, how different from Jesus. How different from those that Jesus reached out to and how different from those who sought Jesus. Uh, Over the past past few weeks, we've been studying the covenant affirmations, uh, those common agreements that make us, us. Um, And the affirmations, they're broad uh, because there's a lot of work to do. And actually, I meant to have little pamphlets for them out, but I forgot. But I'll grab them as soon as the service is over and I'll stick them out there. So if you want to just see what they are, that's kind of our denominational. These are our common agreements. Um, but they're broad because there's lots of work to do. And there's lots of room in the kingdom of God. And so we want to work with anybody that's willing to work with us. And we don't want to exclude anyone that follows the lordship of Jesus. So we have some broad agreements. But it's also narrow because we're a distinct people. Um, we're rooted in the transformational power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now this week, we're gonna be talking about church. Um, And one of our affirmations is a commitment to the whole mission of the church. Which is why I brought up the story of this man. Uh, Because I think sometimes we fail the whole mission of the church. We forget the whole mission of the church. We struggle with the whole mission of the church. So I'm going to be kind of looking at three questions. Like, one, what is the church? Two, uh, what's its whole mission? And three, what does it mean to be committed to it? All right, so that's just where we're going to go. That's a little bit of a roadmap. So let's pray. Holy Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to worship you, to share our prayer requests, to pray. To hear your word, and to receive your forgiveness, to receive your love. Thank you for the opportunity to join together with these saints. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so first, what's the church? Well, it, it's the community that's gathered together in a response to Jesus. Um, originally, the first believers um, were Jewish, and so they worshiped in the synagogues. But even th- then, they would still go outside to hear uh, preachers like John the Baptist and Jesus, just like sometimes you know, there'd be you know, some special speaker. You'd go out and you'd hear him. But in Acts 2, they started to be distinguished even more so. Um, God moved in a miraculous way, showing that the disciples would be carrying on Jesus' ministry. And a lot of people ended up following Jesus. They began to organize themselves. This is Acts 2. Uh, 42 through 47, and this is like kind of like the original uh, bit of the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So from the beginning, uh, the church had gathered together. They gathered together to pray. They gathered together to encourage one another, to, to break bread, to eat. And so we at the Covenant Church, we're committed to this. We're committed to the apostles' teachings, to studying scripture and learning from it. Uh, we covered this a few weeks ago when we talked about centrality of the Word of God. The Word of God transforms us. It remakes us bit by bit into the Lord's likeness. And we commit to pray. Um, I, I love that um, we take prayer requests every Sunday to pray for. Okay? Um, so we get to share. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes we can share more. Sometimes we can share less. But we, we give ourselves opportunity and space for us to share without shame. And we take time to pray the prayer as Jesus taught, right the Lord's Prayer. We're committed to prayer. And we break bread and we have fellowship. Uh, we eat together. Every Sunday we have communion. But not just that. Regularly, we'll have potlucks and barbecues and pancake breakfasts and things like that, too. You know, Chili cook-offs, whatever. Um, because there's something special about actually eating together. Um, there's something special about a fellowship that kind of happens around the shared meal, and they support each other. They helped out each other in their need, um, and this is the post-resurrection version of the people in Matthew chapter four—the people that sell out Jesus because they're desperate and hurt and sick and alienated and spiritually afflicted. This is what they did when the Savior like wasn't wasn't there. They still gathered to hold up his values and to share with one another. They continue to gather in his names. Because as any of you know, um, you can be healed from shame, but it is really easy to relapse. It is really easy to relapse. And you need to remind one another of the work that Christ has done in your life. You need to remind one another that you shouldn't feel shame, that you're forgiven. need to remind one another to do the work that God has called you to. Which brings us to the second point. What is the whole mission of the church? Well, that's easy. That's found in the Great Commission of uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 24. And this is the last bit of the Gospel of Matthew. It's after the resurrection and the disciples were told to go to Galilee. And they did, and they climbed to the top of a mountain where they used to gather to worship And Jesus appeared to them, and he gave them these instructions. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That's the mission of the church, to make disciples of all nations, which means inviting them into the family of God, inviting them into our families. And what do you do with family? You love and support family. You love and support family, uh, not just emotionally, but spiritually. Uh, and you take care of each other. Okay? Uh, the early church worked together to make sure that no one was in need among them. And then, actually, as you read Acts, you can see instances of people kind of taking advantage of that system. Because let's face it, whenever you get people and you're all trying to share, people are going to take advantage. That's always a risk. Uh, boundaries are important. Some kind of common understandings of how you do that. But that doesn't mean you don't do that. It just means you do it cautiously. You do it, um, you love one another. You take care of each other. And as you read through the, Bible, the New Testament, the church doesn't exactly stay in those small communities. But that impulse that drove them there, that spirit that drove them to live together and to share everything, that impulse is still active. Being a family and taking care of each other is important. And of course, there's the other part, which was to teach believers to obey everything Jesus commanded. And what did Jesus command? Well, that's, that's summarized in the Shema it's the great uh, Deuteronomic prayer that Jews prayed twice daily. In Matthew 23, uh, verses 35 through 40. One of them, a teacher, one of them, an expert in the law, tested them with this question Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Part of what we're to do is to, to teach us to love each other. To care for one another. And we know that love isn't just words, but it's deeds and actions, okay? And dare I say even like finances and material goods because love without sacrifice is meaningless. Love costs things. Uh, There's comfort in love, right? There's a lot of comfort in love, but love should not be comfortable. It should always be self-giving, always self-sacrificing, always risky. In other words, we should love like Jesus. The whole mission of the church is to continue Jesus' ministry, loving those he loved as he loved them, which is serving them, healing them, welcoming them, cleansing them, forgiving them, restoring them, acting like his body in this world. That's that's the mission of God. And the final part of what does it mean to commit to the whole mission of God is well, let's look at commitment. What does that mean? It means that you actually participate. Hebrews ten, twenty-four through 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Right? So part of partici- committing to the mission of God is being here. And I, I don't mean just like showing here. But talking to people, I mean being present, getting to know one another, encouraging one another, sharing with one another, hearing for needs that you might be able to fill. A second way you commit is to give. Um, And nobody likes to talk about giving, Um, but it's biblical. We're called to give, and you should give to a, the church. Um, there's an expectation that being a faithful disciple, um, giving is part of that. So, and there's so much scripture about it. It's one of the things Jesus talked about the most, and it's one of the things that we're most scared to talk about, is giving. Um, but we're called to give, not just to the church, but just generously, to all of our need. Um, this is 1 Corinthians six two, On every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Church, we're called to give. And I'm not pushing for like a literal 10% tithe um, because I think that's part of the legalism that we're set from. Uh, but we are called to live and give generously. Um, I read this publication In THIS this IN A PUBLICATION RECENTLY, AND I DON'T KNOW IF IT'S TRUE OR EVEN HOW TO VERIFY IT, BUT IT CLAIMED THAT DURING THE GREAT DEPRESSION, THE AVERAGE CHRISTIAN GAVE 3.3% OF THEIR INCOME. TODAY, THE AVERAGE CHRISTIAN GIVES 2.5% OF THEIR INCOME, WHICH MEANS WE GIVE LESS THAN CHRISTIANS GAVE DURING THE GREAT DEPRESSION. (laughs) THAT'S SAD. And that's not just the church, that's just giving. And uh, I would be remiss as a pastor if I didn't remind you that the permanent fund is coming out in September. So you've got to figure out how you're going to be generous with that money. You should talk about it. You should talk to your family about it. Okay, and I'm not saying that, you know, to give it all away because I know some people have things earmarked. I know we, my wife and I talked about it. We're like, yes, we're going to pay off some bills, right? That's important. Paying off things, it's very important. BUT WE ALSO NEED TO TALK ABOUT HOW TO BE GENEROUS WITH IT. Um, THERE'S TONS OF GOOD PLACES TO GIVE. THERE ARE TONS OF MISSIONS, OF SOCIAL SERVICES, OF HOSPITALS, OF SCHOOLS THAT YOU CAN BE GENEROUS TOWARDS. WE'RE CALLED TO GIVE SACRIFICIALLY. Um, THERE'S SOMETHING IN OUR SOCIETY WHERE WE KIND OF CONTINUALLY WANT TO BE UPWARDLY MOBILE. WE KEEP ON WANTING to, TO HIT THE NEXT RUNG. Uh, But that's not exactly biblical. That's cultural, it's not biblical. And I think I might be spending a little bit extra time about it because uh, Ron Sider just died. Anybody know Ron Sider? Yeah, he wrote uh, Rich Christians in the Age of Hunger. Tremendously transformational for me. Um, So, uh, he was the founder of Evangelicals for Social Action, but he recently passed away. Great book. Um, And he kept on refining his book as he learned more about things. He was a biblical scholar, but He started learning about economics because, well, people need to give. So how else do you commit to the whole church, the whole mission of the church? Well, you serve. You serve. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, um, um, chapter 12, 4 through 7. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working in all of them. In everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God has given you gifts. God has given you gifts. You have been given a gift, but it's not for yourself. You're given something for you to share. You're given something for you to share. Um, you're given something to bring to the church, um, to build up the church and to help equip the church in being its mission. The church is less. It's lesser than what God meant it to be when we refuse to share the spiritual gifts that we're given. Okay? You're given something to share. And that's how you commit to the whole mission of the church. And, and so these are our denominational affirmations. This is what it means to be the covenant church the denomination. And our denominations always had this commitment. In the second year of our formation in 1886, you know, one of the first things we did when we during our first missions meeting was start a home for mercy to care of the sick and elderly and orphans. And from the beginning, we've always been involved in missions in Alaska, actually. There's always been a missionary impulse. There's always been an impulse to care for people And there's always been a justice impulse. And today, how that's evolved now, we have our uh, love, mercy, do justly, and serve globally as our mission priorities. And there's still areas of compassion and emergency relief with covenant world relief. And I can get specific into areas about how things work. But in the interest of time, check out the covenant's website, covchurch.com. And you can see all the ways that the domination as a whole is involved in. Um, these areas, into the whole mission of the church. And we believe in this locally, too. Um, We're committed to the whole mission of the church. Maybe not as well as we should be, but we are. So once a month, we proclaim the gospel at the Anchorage Rescue Mission. Vince and um, Ellen have been faithful at the Anchorage Rescue Mission for years. AND uh, WE CAN ALWAYS USE MORE VOLUNTEERS TO GO WITH THEM. And WE'RE PART OF THE COMMUNITY RESPONSE WITH THE EMERGENCY COLD WEATHER SHELTER FOR FAMILIES. AND WE OPEN THE CHURCH TO MULTIPLE AA GROUPS THROUGHOUT THE DAY. Um, DURING THE WEEKDAYS, THERE'S AT LEAST TWO AA GROUPS. AND uh, DURING THE WEEKEND, IT'S A LITTLE BIT SPOTTY RIGHT NOW, POST-COVID. HAVE PARTICIPATED IN AFACT. YOU KNOW, WE'RE STILL KIND OF TRYING TO REFIGURE THAT OUT. And I think they're changing their names, but we'll find out more about that later. And I participate with a group of local pastors that are met, that meet to focus on racial reconciliation. And we have a partnership with a school in Madagascar, um, from someone that was a missionary there. And prior to COVID, every I think it was every two years, they they would bring a group there. Okay. And there's kayak, which. We're involved with and the Araga house, so we believe in being involved, right? The whole gospel, loving people, proclaiming with words and with deeds, showing up in their lives. Uh, there's the benevolence offering, and of course, there's more to do. Um, maybe you got to put on your heart something to do. Um, so, we actually um, have had folks here involved in, um, dealing with helping to heal people that have been, uh, dealing with um, issues of sexual abuse, and domestic violence. That has been an area that we've worked with. Um, but you've been called, you've been called to serve. Church, um, I think a lot about that man from Mississippi that I shared about in the beginning of the sermon. I uh, I think about him a lot. You know, about how he was telling that mother that Jesus loves her and caring for her, but feeling like a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't like feeling that way. I don't want us to be hypocritical, right? We don't have to feel that way because God loves people all of them, all of them. And we want to be committed to the whole mission of the church, to love whole people, whole people, heart, mind, body. Amen? Let's pray. Holy Father God, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us for caring for us in all of our need. Lord, not just our polite needs, not just our private needs, Lord God, but for all of our needs. Thank you for loving our community. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to participate in your mission, to participate, to proclaim your name with our actions, proclaim your name with our giving to proclaim your name with our speaking to proclaim your name with our working lord thank you you are good and we're grateful for you saving all of us for your kingdom